What's going on, everybody? How you guys doing this morning? It is so good to see you guys, and um, I have that in my notes to say that it's good to see you guys, but what's crazy is uh, when we were singing Waymaker, we sang that song so much when we were all online and we were all watching from home, and we like recorded that song in an empty building so many times, and to be with you guys in Rehoboth singing that again, man, that is such an awesome feeling. So I am so pumped to see you guys this morning. Uh, my name is Cotter, and I'm the Next Steps Director here at Bayshore, and this is the last Sunday of September. Isn't that crazy? Like, Tuesday was the official start of fall, which means it's time to start putting those beach towels away. It's time to start getting those pumpkins out. Um, it is crazy that it's already here, but we are so pumped because next Sunday, we are going to two services. We are going to have the 9 a.m., we are going to have the 10.30 a.m., and what is so cool about that is that we're going to have room for you guys to bring your friends, to bring your family, to bring your kids. We are going to have so much room in here, and we are so excited about that. So I'm glad to have you guys with us today. I'm glad to have our online family joining us through Facebook, YouTube, and the podcast. So let's make some noise for our online family. And I really love this time, uh, really love this time of year. Like fall is, fall is a great season. I love summer the most, but fall is awesome. I love pumpkin spice donuts. I love college football on Saturdays. I love real football on Sundays. Um, it's just a great time of year. And something cool happened around this time last year. My wife Emily and I bought our first house, which was really exciting. I don't know if we were more excited about getting into our own house or we were more excited that before I turned 30, I got to move out of my grandmother's house. So that was, that was a huge win. Um, nailed it. Um, but for anybody that's been through that house buying process, it's like so confusing. There are so many things that you learn when you're going through the house buying process that you never would have known otherwise. So last year was our first time going through it, and we had no clue what we are in for. There was this thing called escrow, which I still don't 100% understand what that means. Um, there's closing costs, there's inspections, and then there's like a re-inspection and another inspection. You've got to pay for it every time. And then there's Zillow. We spent, I thought we spent a lot of time on Netflix. We spent so much time on Zillow looking at all these houses. Now look, I thought buying a house would be easy. I thought you looked online, you found one that you wanted, and if you had the money, you just bought it, and in a couple of days, you moved in. But it was like, it was like a six-month process. Like, you got to have credit. Um, you got to get approved for a loan. You got to, like, actually have enough money to afford the open concept house that you found on Zillow. Like, there's so much stuff to it. And, and going into it, I understood, like, nothing about the process at all. But there was this guy, um, one of my friends named Rod, and he helped us through this whole process. Like from the beginning to the end, he helped us all the way. He helped us get pre-approved for a loan. And then afterwards, he explained what getting pre-approved for a loan was, because I didn't know what that meant. Um, he helped us find a, a real estate agent. He walked me through all the hundreds of pages and the contracts that we were signing. He taught us everything that we needed to know. And he took this really complex process and he, this confusing situation, he walked us through it from start to finish, and he helped it actually like make sense for us. Now, isn't it true that sometimes prayer can feel a little bit like that, like this overwhelming thing that's kind of confusing and kind of abstract? We don't really know where to start. It's a little bit uh, weird. 
Um, I feel like prayer can feel like that a lot, and today we're going to be talking about prayer. We're going to be reading from the book of Matthew, and in this section of Matthew, it's so cool because Jesus taught about prayer in this really simple and clear, easy-to-understand way. So what we're going to see today is that prayer isn't as complicated or as confusing as sometimes it seems, and we're also going to see it's a vital part of each of our days. So We're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be reading verses 9 through 13 this morning. So uh, these are some verses that you've probably heard before. Um, In this part of the book of Matthew, Jesus was uh, teaching his followers, his disciples, um, and he's teaching them about prayer. And um, he's teaching about how we communicate with God. So if you've got your Bible, you can turn there. We've got it up on the screen. So it says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, this section starts out by saying, this then is how you should pray. So Jesus was teaching his disciples about prayer and he walked through it step by step so that they could understand the importance of prayer, and the different reasons why we pray. Now, I grew up in a church where we, like, said this every single Sunday, like, every Sunday, but it isn't really about a a section of scripture that we just memorize and then repeat. It was really, um, prayer's more personal than that, and prayer is about a conversation with God. So, like, when we talk to each other, our conversations are always different. We're talking about what's going on in our lives, like what we're excited about, and each conversation is unique. And that's how it is with prayer as well. So when Jesus was uh, teaching his followers here about prayer, this was his way of modeling the different parts of prayer. And what we're going to look at today is the significance of each one of these parts. So if we'll put the next slide up, um, we'll put verse 9 up on the screen. It says, Uh, This, then, is how you should pray, our Father in heaven. So our Father in heaven is this first phrase that we see here, and it shows that our prayers are directed towards God. So our first point today, and we're getting super deep, which is that we pray to God. We pray to God. Now, I had an issue with um, our internet company uh, last week. How many of you guys have ever had issues with your internet company? Like, all the time, right? Now, I'm not going to throw our internet company under the bus. Um, I'm not going to say who it was. But this company, um, I woke up and I got an email from them that my bill was ready. And I was like, oh, I'll check it out. Well, it was $20 higher that month than what they had said it would be a week earlier. And I was not super happy because they had just told me that my price wasn't changing for the next 12 months. So I had everything in writing from my conversation with them the week before. So I was like, oh, this will be easy. I'll just call their customer support. It'll be no big deal. Well, I called their customer support, and it was a robot, like it always is. Um, And so this company, even if you try to get through to a human, they don't have any humans on their lines anymore. It's just robots. So I went through this thing, and I'm trying to connect with them. I'm telling them my problems. They're like, all right, you got to go to the web chat support. So I go to the web support, I hop on my computer, and I talk with, a, I think, an actual person through the computer on their web support for 30 minutes, and then they tell me that I have to call back to the same number in order to get my issue solved. I went back and forth for like two hours. It was so crazy. And isn't it true that like sometimes when we're praying, we feel like we don't know who we're talking to. We feel like it's confusing. We feel like 
Is God even listening to us? We wonder, like, if he cares about what we're going through. You know, that's how I felt when I was trying to talk to my internet company. I was like, nobody cares about my problem. Nobody really wants to talk to me. And sometimes I think we can feel that way with prayer. But Jesus' teaching here in Matthew shows that we're praying to God, and it shows us that God is listening. So when we pray, it's directed towards God. It's not a vague request. It's not this vague conversation where we're hoping that God might be out there to hear us and he might be listening to us. Prayer is not an inner wishing or an inner desiring. Prayer is not uh, a wish to a genie. Prayer is a conversation with the creator of the universe, our creator God, God who sent his only son to die so that we could have life and life eternal, God who knit us together in the womb, as the Bible says, that's who we're talking to. And he is listening and he is there. And, and this is something we see throughout the Bible. Well, there's one verse in particular I want to show you. This comes from 1 John chapter 5, and we'll put this up on the screen. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. So when we approach God, we can have confidence that he hears us. Your prayers are being heard, and they're being heard because they're directed towards God and because God cares about you. He cares so much for you that he was willing to send his son to die for you. He cares about everything that is going on in your life. So we pray to God, and he hears our prayers. So we'll hop back into verse 9 in Matthew. It says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, how many of you guys have hallowed as part of your, like, everyday dictionary? I, I don't think I've ever used that word in a normal situation. Um, that's what I call a classic Google search word, because if it weren't for Google, I would have no idea what that word means. Um, but what hallowed means is to be revered. So in this model of prayer that Jesus is using to teach his followers, he's explaining that the first thing that we should do when we pray is acknowledge the greatness of God. We acknowledge the greatness of God. And that brings us to our second point today, which is that we pray with reverence. We pray with reverence. And usually when we think about the word prayer, we think about a time where we're asking God for something. We're asking God to provide something for us. We're asking God for safety. And all those things are great. Um, all those things are really great things to pray for. But there's importance in the order of this prayer that Jesus modeled. Because first we praise God, and we praise God for his greatness. And then later is when we present our request. And that Order is there because it gives us perspective. God's the creator. He's the reason that each one of us are alive. He's the reason that we have this beautiful earth to live in. He's the reason that we have breath right now. He's the reason that at nighttime we can look up and see all these stars up in the sky. He's the reason we can go to the beach and experience the ocean. He's the creator of the animals that we love and the, the flowers and the trees that we see. The most important thing in life is God. No matter what we're going through, no matter what's going on in our lives, he will always be the most important thing in life. But for us, as we're going through life, our situations that we're going through, um, what's happening at our work, what's happening in our home, those are the things that are usually in the forefront of our thoughts. Not how great God is, not usually all the great things that God's done for us. So why Jesus started his prayer like this he started it by focusing on the greatness of God because it reminds us of all the things that God has provided for us. And it reminds us of God's importance in our lives. 
In the book of Psalm, um, we saw David model this uh, for us. And as we read, uh, we're going to read a bunch of verses. And what I want you guys to look at is each of the different ways that David praises God in this. Um, So we'll put these verses up on the screen. This is from Psalm 145, starting in verse 13. So these are all ways that David is praising God. So he says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him, and he hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Now those verses get me pumped. Like those verses are awesome because it's all a reminder of how great God is. God is, or David is praising God's power. He's praising God's character. He's praising his love for us and so much more. And that's how we should start our prayers. We should start our prayers by praising God for how great he is, by praising God for all the ways that he's provided for us. So that's what we start with. So we pray to God and we pray with reverence. Now let's hop back into our verses in Matthew and we'll look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that brings us to our next point, which is that we pray to see God work. We pray to see God work. We pray to see God work in our lives. We pray to see God work in our marriages and in our love for each other. You guys pray for, I don't pray for this because I don't have kids, but you guys pray to see God work in the lives of your kids, to see them grow up to love Jesus. You pray for him to work in the lives of your friends and your family. You pray for him to, to work in your heart when you're feeling anxious and discouraged and depressed. You pray for him to heal you and to overwhelm you with hope. We pray for God to give us peace and to give us comfort when we experience the loss of a loved one or when we experience the loss of a job. In this prayer that Jesus modeled, it says that we pray for God's will to be done. And we're praying, uh, when we pray for this, we're praying, praying for God's plan to be accomplished in our lives because God knows what's best for us, and we're asking him to accomplish that in our lives. We're not praying for our plan to be accomplished. We're not praying that what we think is best will come to be. We're praying for God's plan. So uh, a couple years ago, and I keep saying a couple years, but um, I actually graduated college more than a couple years ago. But a couple years ago when I, um, I'll just keep saying that, it makes me feel young. But a couple years ago when, we, when I uh, graduated college, um, soon after I started my first post-college job, and now, for anybody that's been through college, you know that starting that first post-college job is awesome because you've got a giant statement of student loans that, that comes in the mail right after you finish school. So I got to that first job, got that first check, got super pumped, and then I got the student loan bill, and then I was a lot less pumped. Um, but so the first weekend after I started my job, um, I went to the beach, and I was skimboarding down here. Um, in Rehoboth, and when I was skimboarding, I hit my head like 
super hard, like really hard. Um, and I got a really bad concussion. Um, it was really bad. I couldn't really talk. I couldn't uh, walk. I had to just be in this dark room. Um, couldn't look at a TV. Couldn't look at a phone. Couldn't play Xbox, which I was really bummed about. Um, but I, I, could, I could hardly do anything. It was like really, really rough. And in that moment, after I had injured my head, I was praying for God to heal me. That's what I wanted. That, in my mind, that's what seemed best. And so I was praying, God, please heal me. I wanted everything to go back to normal. I wanted it to be just like that Saturday when I woke up and I was healthy. That's what I wanted. I wanted life just to return to that. That's what my plan was, but that was not what God's plan was. Look, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed for God to heal me, and it didn't happen. It didn't happen for a really long time. And, and honestly, the opposite happened for a while. Like as soon as I would start to see progress, as soon as I would think, man, I'm starting to get there, it would get worse than what it had been before. My plan and what I was praying for was that everything would go back to normal and that would go back to normal immediately or at least quickly. That's what I wanted. That's what I thought was best. But that wasn't God's plan. God had things that he needed to teach me through that experience and things that he wanted me to go through, things that I wouldn't have learned if he would have healed me immediately. And in that moment, it was really, really frustrating for me because all I could see is how rough it was to wake up each morning and how rough it was to go through another day and how difficult each day was. I had no perspective of the big picture. I was just angry that I had to go through each day and, and go through all this pain. And it lasted a long time. Like it lasted for nine months of this where I wasn't seeing any progress. That was not my plan. My plan was hit the head, not feeling good. All right, back to normal. No big deal. That's what I wanted. But what's amazing about being a Jesus follower is that God knows the bigger picture. Even when we don't, he knows what's best for us. So while I was praying for my will to be accomplished and my plan to be accomplished, God was at work accomplishing his plan in my life. And when I say that God was accomplishing his plan in my life, I don't mean that God was like punishing me or that he was like putting me through a rough time just for fun. God was doing incredible things in my life, incredible things, things I couldn't see, but he was doing amazing things in my life and in the lives of the people around me, things that could not have happened if I was healed immediately. And, and I honestly don't have enough time to tell you all of the amazing ways that I saw God work through that time. And now looking back, all the things that I've learned because of it. But there's one situation that I want to tell you guys about from that, that I could immediately see how God worked. So at the end of this, uh, at the end of about nine months, when I started to kind of get a little bit healthier, um, I went on a trip with the youth group that I was um, at the church that I was at at the time. And we went over to Western Maryland. We were doing uh, some work in the community as part of this missions trip. And we were working out in the community one day, and I met this guy who was on work release um, from prison at the time. And we got to talking about life, and he was just sharing with me about all the struggles that he was dealing with, and I was, I was sharing with him about all the things that I had been going through the last few months. And this man, he had been through so much pain, and he had gone through so many crazy things, and God used my situation to help me understand what kind of things this guy was going through. And I had the opportunity that day to share the gospel with him. I was able to share with him about the hope and the peace and the love that we can have in Jesus. And look, if my plan was accomplished, if I was healed immediately and I didn't have to go through that situation, 
then I never would have been able to share with that man about the hope that we can have when we go through trials because I wouldn't have been able to understand what he was going through. But because, God was, because God's plan was accomplished and not my plan, God used my situation to give that man hope when he was struggling. And praying for God's will to be done in our lives is trusting him with our lives. It's trusting in his plan for us. It's trusting in God's love for us. It's trusting that he's in control and that he's taking care of us even when life is really difficult and when we can't see the big picture. So we pray to see God work because God is working in your life. Even if you can't see it, God is working in your life. As that song said, he is working and he is always working. He never stops working. So let's go back to our verses in Matthew. Um, We'll check out verse 11 here in Matthew 6. And it says, give us today our daily bread. And this brings us to point number four, which is that we pray for our daily needs. We pray for our daily needs. Now, if you grew up in Sunday school, uh, you guys might remember that song, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, Oh, Let My People Go. I'm not going to sing up here. Joel sings up here. He's got a good voice. I don't have a good voice. You guys don't want me to sing. Um, But that was a classic Sunday school jam. How many of you guys remember that song? Like, yeah, that's awesome. You got the dance moves. All right. That's awesome. Now, that was a song that was talking um, about a story that happened in the book of Exodus when God's people were in slavery in Egypt, and God worked through Moses to rescue them out of that slavery. Now, when they left Egypt, God provided for them in the wilderness where there was no food. He provided for them by sending them bread from heaven each day, and that bread is how they survived. That bread was everything to them. So here in Jesus's prayer, he says that we should pray for God to provide our daily bread. And bread is a symbol of our daily needs. It's a prayer to ask God to provide everything we need through each day. And and I love this because it's a prayer for the little things in life. And it shows that God cares about everything in our life, whether it's big or whether it's small. It's a, God, it's a prayer for God to provide what we need in each moment of every day. Something I pray every Monday is that God will give me the strength to get out of bed and go to work on a Monday morning. We pray to have patience with our coworkers, to have patience with all the angry people on the roads. Moms, if you're out there homeschooling right now, you're probably praying for patience and uh, for COVID to end so you don't have to homeschool your kids anymore. Um, You know, I pray um, on Sundays after church, I pray that God will give me wisdom because I go to the grocery store and help my wife shop. And I pray that God will give me discernment so I don't know the difference between a squash and a cucumber because I cannot tell the difference. I have bought the wrong things so many times. I don't know the difference. But we pray for the little things in life. We pray for everything because there's nothing in life that is too small to pray for. So check this out. The Bible says in Luke chapter 12 that God knows the amount of hairs that are on your head. So if God cares enough about you to know that small, insignificant detail, don't you think God cares about the struggles of raising kids and the struggles of being patient with your coworkers and the struggles of losing your job or being in a job you don't like, the struggles of being thankful when life is difficult? To pray for God to provide our daily bread or our daily needs is to pray for God to provide everything we need in life every day, no matter how big or how small. Let's check out verse 12. Verse 12 says, 
and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So we celebrated communion last Sunday, if you were here, and that was a time where we looked back at Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for our sins when he gave up his life to forgive us for our sin. And the essence of forgiveness is that it's something that's been freely given to us, and then we freely extend it to others. So our next point this morning is that we pray for forgiveness, and we commit to forgive others. We pray for forgiveness, and we commit to forgive others. And in this prayer that Jesus is modeling, we are to ask Jesus to forgive us of the times when we fall short, and we're also committing to forgive the people that have wronged us. So if we can put this verse back up on the screen for a moment, I want to show you how Jesus um, phrases this. So he says, as we have also forgiven our debtors. That's past tense. We have forgiven. It's not something we're thinking about doing. We're not saying, God, please forgive me. I might forgive that guy. It's, this, is, this has happened. This is definite. We have already forgiven our debtors. And I just love that because what's amazing about Jesus' forgiveness is that it's complete. When Jesus died on the cross for you, he forgave everything, every mistake, every sin, everything. He didn't hold on to our mistakes. He didn't hold a grudge against us. He forgave us 100%. And that's the model of forgiveness that we extend to the people that are around us. When we're wronged, we forgive 100%. When we're lied to or treated poorly, we forgive 100%. The forgiveness that Jesus extended to us covered every one of our mistakes and every one of our sins, every time we fell short. And the forgiveness that we extend to the people around us should cover every one of their mistakes and every time they fall short. So when we pray, we pray for forgiveness and we commit to forgive others. Now let's hop back in. Let's check out this last verse here in Matthew um, chapter 6 in this section. So it says, And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. And this ties into our prayer for forgiveness so much because when we pray for forgiveness, the heart behind it is that we're sad about the mistakes that we made. We're sad about how that made God feel and we don't want that to happen anymore. And when we sin, we're usually also, we're hurting God, but we're also hurting the people that are around us. When we're selfish or when we're prideful or we say something rude or we let our anger or frustration get the best of us, we're sinning against God and we're also hurting the people around us. So this is a prayer for God to protect us from temptation and from evil. And it's a prayer for God to um, give us holiness in our lives. So our last point this morning is we pray for holiness. We pray for holiness, and we're asking God to work in our lives to make us more like him. We're praying that he will change our hearts so that we desire heavenly things, holy things, things that honor him. We're praying that God will change our sinful hearts so that we can act in a way that's loving towards him and loving towards others. We're praying that the way that we live will show love to the people around us. It's a prayer for our lives to be full of grace and compassion, and love. And, and earlier in Matthew, one chapter earlier, um, in chapter 5, it talks about this, and it talks about the impact that us living a holy life can have on the people around us. So we got this up on the screen. It says, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When we live a holy life, it'll be clear to the people around us that we are living for something greater than ourselves. It'll be clear that we are committed to holiness, and because of, um, we're committed to holiness because of the love that Jesus has shown 
to us. And when people see that, it creates an opportunity for us to share with them about what Jesus has done for us. So we pray for holiness so that our lives will honor the forgiveness that Jesus has extended to us. And we pray for holiness so that our actions will show Jesus' love to others. Guys, prayer is so important in our lives. And the Bible says that we should pray continually. It should be a part of everything that we do. And it's something that can be intimidating. Like, if you've grown up in church, you may think that, you may have heard a lot of things about prayer. You may think, uh, or you may have been told that you've got to bow down on your knees. Um, you've got to get your head in a certain way. You've got to get your hands, like, perfect, and that's how God will hear you. You've got to say these perfect memorized phrases in order to get God to hear you and care about what you're praying. None of that is true. Prayer is a conversation with our creator. Look, when I have conversations with Emily, they're always different. I talk to her at the dining room table. I talk to her on the couch. I talk to her sometimes when we're brushing our teeth. Um, I talk to her when we're in the car, when we're walking our dog. And that's what prayer's like. God doesn't need us to be in this specific place or to say these perfect, memorized, eloquent phrases. He just wants you to talk to him. And he just wants you to talk to him throughout your day. It's something that we do all the time. I, I pray when I'm walking my dog. I pray when I'm falling asleep at night. I pray when I'm driving to work in the morning. I pray when I'm lacking focus and motivation at work. I pray when um, I see a beautiful sunrise or a sunset or when I see the ocean and I thank God for the creation that, that he's allowed us to be a part of. I pray when I think about all the many blessings that God has, has given me and allowed me to experience. And look, we'll end with this. I want to read this section from the book of Philippians. And Philippians is such a cool book because this guy named Paul wrote it. And Paul, when he wrote this, he was in jail. So he's praying um, about praising, or he's writing, he's praising God, and he's writing this letter to other Jesus followers, encouraging them to praise God while he's in jail. So check this out. So this is Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In every situation, we should pray. In every situation, we should thank God for what he's done in our lives. In every situation, we should present our requests to God. And what this verse says is that God will give us peace, and that peace will transcend any circumstance that we're facing. Following Jesus is about having a relationship with the creator of the universe, the creator who loves you so much that he was willing to give his only son so that you could have abundant and everlasting life. And that relationship happens through prayer. So we pray to God. We pray with reverence. We pray to see God work. We pray for our daily needs. We pray for forgiveness, and we commit to forgive others, and we pray for holiness. So let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this morning. Uh, thank you so much for giving us a building where we can meet again together and worship you. And I thank you for allowing us to, to have conversations with you. I thank you that we can just come to you in whatever situation we're in, and we can talk to you about whatever we're facing in life. I pray, God, that you will help us to turn to you. I pray, God, that you will give us perspective about how you're working in our lives, even when we can't see it. I pray, God, that you will encourage anyone that's going through a difficult time. I pray that you would show them how great you are and how much you love them. I pray, God, that prayer will be a part of everything that we do and that it will help us to see all the ways that you've provided for us. I pray all this in your name. Amen.